And I think that this place allows them to be themselves, feel comfortable in that it's probably for the most part an almost brand new social circle for them. So it's kind of like a, a starting fresh, which for some kids at that 12 or 13 age is, is really a breath of fresh air. Hello, my name is Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard is that of Saskatoon teacher Tyler Rittinger. Tyler and the EcoQuest program he teaches is the focus of episode 8 of YXE Underground. When you think of what school was like in grade 8, you probably think of a classroom filled with rows of desks and a blackboard at the front of the room. I'm guessing you probably don't think of hiking, camping and biking in your community, learning through experiences in nature and discovering what it takes to become a leader. That's what makes Saskatoon's EcoQuest program unique. It brings together 28 students from across Saskatoon and allows them to learn in the world around them. In this episode, we'll meet the teacher in charge of EcoQuest, Tyler Rittinger. Right now, I'm in a typical classroom in Saskatoon. There are tables and chairs set up in rows. There's a freshly wiped whiteboard at the front. The walls are plastered with beautifully designed displays. Did I mention I'm in my wife's classroom right now? Hi, Jennifer. <laughs> That's my wife, Jennifer. She's a teacher here in Saskatoon, and she's kindly let me uh, use her classroom after hours uh, to voice this uh, <laughs> to voice this episode. She's really thrilled. <laughs> I wanted to voice this episode here because when I think of a classroom, this is what I think of. I taught in Frontier, Saskatchewan for a couple of years, and when I designed my classroom, I was the same way in terms of desks and rows and, and the same types of things in, in classrooms. I, I didn't deviate from what I had been brought up with. But EcoQuest is not your typical classroom. It's so much more than writing notes and binders and flipping through textbooks, scrambling for answers while glued to a desk. Okay. Okay. Um... Okay, first of all, you're all very fast walkers. Thank you. <laughs> I, was, I was way in the back and was like, oh, I gotta catch up to you guys. Okay. Okay. You wanna hold this for a second? Sure. Thank you. So I hurt my glove on. Yep. Okay. <laughs> the EcoQuest program okay. was created 15 years ago under the guidance of the Saskatoon Public School Division. A description online states that EcoQuest, quote, is a unique ecological outdoor adventure program for grade 8 students in Saskatoon Public Schools that provide active and challenging learning experiences. I was fortunate to spend a cold and snowy December day with this year's class, and I can honestly say that the online description is merely the tip of the iceberg. I used to not get around on my bike as much around the city and now I find that I can find my way around the city way easier because of the program and just because we bike everywhere. Did you bike to school today? I did. <laughs> can, can you, wait, both of you did? We biked together. Can you tell people uh, what the weather's like today? Uh, it was nice and chilly. <laughs> My, my ankles were cold because I didn't bring my tall socks and I forgot to put my goggles on. So my face was cold as well. But for me, I, I like biking to school in the morning and in the winter. It just, it wakes you up and you 
You're ready for the day when you get to school after biking. You're so much braver than I am. How long a bike ride do you have? Uh, about a 20-ish minute, 15 minute bike ride from the Buena Vista area. Okay. And yourself? Um, like where I am? Yeah. Or, yeah, I live kind of near Wiley, maybe like four blocks away. I'm closer to the school than he is. So we just meet on the top of the traffic bridge. And yeah, that's how we start a day. It's refreshing. These students are not only <laughs> learning about the natural and urban world around them, but they are pushing themselves in ways that will make them better students and future leaders in their communities. I first met this year's EcoQuest class in November when I was asked to speak to them about this very podcast. It was part of a media assignment, and what quickly became clear to me was how exceptional this group was and how fantastic the teachers are. On that cold and snowy day in December, I showed up at City Park School shortly after 8 o'clock in the morning to meet the class. City Park School is where EcoQuest is based out of, and their classroom is an old band room converted into a beautiful space that has almost like a dorm-like feel to it. Rebecca Elson is one of the teachers in EcoQuest, and this is her first year with the program. There is one area in the classroom that she particularly loves. When you take a little walk up our back stair storage room, you will, it's sort of, it's my favorite space uh, for, for a teacher, for somebody who loves the outdoors like me. The very first time I walked into it, my jaw just dropped and I was like, this is what you have access to. And it's full of snowshoes, cross-country skis, tents, sleeping bags, boots, camp stoves, pots and pans, shovels. There's a, a ice drill. It's basically uh, a dream come true for, for a wilderness which is what my friends and I kind of dub each other. <laughs> Rebecca teaches EcoQuest with a man who, on that cold and snowy December morning, was out at 5.30 a.m. speed skating outdoors. And that would be Tyler Rittinger. Before we leave the building, we're going to have uh, two groups going different directions right away. And we'll start with the housing group. They're going to get uh, on the road because they're walking uh, towards the lighthouse this morning. They're going to Tyler have, has been teaching uh, EcoQuest for eight years. He has a very calm and measured demeanor to him, and he's really good at putting you at ease. This was only our second time ever meeting, but I felt like I had known him for years. That morning, he was explaining the Healthy Communities Project the students will be working on throughout Saskatoon. A pencil with them or a pen. You need to make sure you have that with you in your day pack. And lunch, a slight adjustment to the lunch. You're going to walk all the way from Ronald McDonald House to the market before you have your lunch. So we'll have a little snack break late morning, and then rather than stopping at France. Now, before course, we dive into my interview with Tyler, I want to explain a little bit how these few episodes are going to work. This episode will feature my interview with Tyler, which we did before the students arrived to class. Part two of the episode, which will drop next week, will feature Rebecca and the students discussing all things EcoQuest while completing their assignments out in the community. Both episodes are equally awesome, but one of them was much warmer to do than the other. Okay, on to Tyler. We cover a lot of ground in the interview. What he loves about EcoQuest, how it encourages students to grow as leaders, how it places a different type of pressure on teachers, and what it might be like to teach his daughter next year in the program. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Tyler Rittinger. Uh, I'm one of the EcoQuest teachers here at uh, City Park School, which is a grade 8 uh, experiential or an outdoor program that's been running for about 15 years here in the city. 
Um, I by no means can take any credit for the beginnings of this program. It was uh, a teacher named Scott Thompson uh, who has partially retired and is still doing some work at the university, but he came up with this idea uh, as part of a master's project to to create a, an experiential or a place-based education program. And uh, he wanted it to be something where it was an integrated curriculum, where he had students working on projects outside of the building that encompassed the objectives from a, a bunch of different curricula. So he's uh, basically started with him and another lady named Shelley Leffler. She was one of the founders of this program. And thankfully, it's been, well, 15 years now of, of school board support where they've understood that there is definitely some merit and some benefit to having a group of students learn in a, in a unique way. So we get out of the building as much as we can. Uh, we've probably hung on to some of the, the core ideals of the program from way back, and it's probably morphed a little as uh, teachers have changed. Um, it was a position that I can remember uh, being a classroom teacher a decade ago or so and, and kind of just aspiring or wanting to, to get into this position, sort of patiently waiting for Scott to retire and uh, got to work when I started with another lady named Jana Miller, a fantastic master teacher who uh, is working with the outdoor school program right now. So um, yeah, it was just sort of a, a goal of being able to take uh, my passion for the outdoors and uh, also my passion for teaching and, and throw them, mash them together and, and come up with a way that I can uh, do the things that I love while I'm at work. I'll, I'll get to more in terms of your, your passion for the outdoors and, and why you want to do this in a second, but you mentioned some of the, the core values of, of the program. What, what would some of those be, Tyler? Sure. So I, I think I even just in describing it, I guess throwing out catchphrases like place-based education, um, the idea of having students work authentically on proje projects in outside of the classroom. I don't want to say in the real world as a contrast to what anybody else is doing in their classrooms, um, but being able to have the students work on a tangible uh, project where they're working either um, in a wilderness setting or even we've created, I think, some pretty meaningful urban experiences where the kids are, are being able to talk with, work with, respond to actual circumstances and, and actually kind of dealing with um, problems that, that they're going to be able to see results to as well. Um, we also have, I mean, I think some core pieces to our classroom are sort of that foundation of the circle. I think we always come back to uh, the idea of the democracy of that circle. We come together in a group and, and try and make sure that we understand that uh, we are 30, I guess this year we're 31 equal voices learning together, and I put it that way in that we, we cap our class at 28 students. And there's two teachers, and this year we're lucky enough to have an intern from the University of Regina. So the 31 of us are, are working together. Um, kind of non-traditionally, the students call us by our first name, and I think that's just one of those little pieces that, that show the idea that we are giving them that, that equal or that democratic voice in the classroom. Um, we try and make sure that we look at different worldviews. We try and make sure that students have an opportunity to um, grow not only um, their abilities academically but also just their responsibility and their independence. I think that's a really big one. Um, one of the key things we're looking for is prepping these kids so that they can um, navigate 
their own way, I guess, kind of their own personal compass, but also practically they can get themselves around the city. We uh, really look at that gradual release of responsibility from their parents so that they can get to school from wherever. They, they're coming from all over the city, so they're managing how to bike through all seasons or use city transit to get to the school. So I think a, a takeaway that we hear lots from the parents is it's super tough in the beginning to to have that let go where they've been used to being in their own home elementary school for eight years. Um, but we're really looking at creating that level of independence in them. That And I, the students totally thrive on that. I think they, they jump on the fact that they're going to be given some responsibility with a little bit of framework or some parameters and um, but yeah, independence is another one. But yeah. the, the the former teacher in me is very curious because when, when I when I would go into a classroom, I, I I had you know objectives and and a curriculum that I I I had to get through to the students. How how does it work in in EcoQuest? Yeah, I, I think that was um, when I probably had the similar questions when I started doing this, and a lot of that legwork had been started by the previous teachers in coming up with assignments that had carefully gone through and matched the objectives to projects that that realistically can hit on four subjects at the same time. So right now they're working, uh, they're in the middle of uh, presenting their Healthy Communities project and it kind of culminates in what we're doing now, which is the urban trek. And so basically, if you look at that assignment, it's got uh, math components, science components, definitely some writing components, the presentation components. Uh, it uh, is something that we try and also be transparent with the students. We've got a very um, common format when we put any of our assignments out and that they have uh, all the curricular objectives written right at the top of their assignment so they can see, okay, yeah, I'm hitting a little bit of art and some math and some reading and writing. and So it's probably some like I said legwork before I was here and then just sort of shaping and manipulating those projects and then new ideas that have come in even this year with Rebecca joining us um, but the, the students I think some of them it's a real breaking of the mold because they're so used to that structure of the bell rings and you put your math book away and take your science book out but I think once they get their head wrapped around that and we can kind of work in our own fluid amounts of time I think it really it works for for most of them. Well, what type of uh, what type of kid comes to to EcoQuest? Well, that's a good question, and I, it's funny. You sometimes uh, just kind of bump into people on the street, and it might be a kid who's in grade four or five or six, and the the parent or the kid will say, "Oh, it's something I, yeah, I'm just geared up. I want to do it." Maybe they heard about it from a sibling or a cousin. Um, but I think something that they have in common is they want to put themselves out there and try something a little bit different. Um, and it might not necessarily be for the same challenge. It might be sort of that challenge of independence. It might be a challenge for uh, their physical abilities. Um, we keep going back to sort of four teaching areas that they reflect on through the year. So there's an intellectual or an academic component and a physical component, uh, a spiritual component, which is a tough one for them to grasp, but that one's all about uh, getting to know yourself and be comfortable with yourself and then take that and Put yourself in relation to nature and find your place in nature um, and then a social and emotional com component so being able to work uh, with that same group of 30 of us day in and day out is, is another challenge but I think they the students that come here know that they are yeah putting themselves out there to try something different it doesn't necessarily mean that we get 
a room full of overt, um, kind of over-the-top leaders. We also get sort of those quiet, uh, determined leaders. It's kind of a variety. We talk about leadership and how they can lead in different ways. And I think that this place allows them to be themselves, feel comfortable in that it's probably, for the most part, an almost brand new social circle for them. So it's kind of like a, a starting fresh, which for some kids at that 12 or 13 age is, is really a breath of fresh air. So sometimes that's maybe even part of it too, is just that willingness to try something a little bit different. I think it was strategically put at this grade level um, also because it's their final year of elementary school. And so a lot of these students, I think, are feeling like, okay, I've been in the elementary setting now for seven or eight years, starting from preschool. And um, they like that idea of being able to handle a little more responsibility and being treated a little bit more uh, independently. And I think then it sets them up for high school. So from here, they don't go back to an elementary school. It's kind of their graduation into wherever they go to high school. And they typically go all over the city. They and it might not even be the high school they intended on going to a year ago, but from here they head on to grade nine somewhere. And generally they, they take, I think, some of the, the learning from here is that they take that, um, that new sense of curiosity and leadership and responsibility and, and run with it in high school. Out, out of those four that you mentioned, kind of those four basic pillars, is, is there one, Tyler, that stands out for you that maybe is... Not not most important, but maybe at, at this at this point in their lives is is maybe um, maybe maybe important is the right word. I, I don't know, but out of those four, is the one that really stands out for you? Um, well, I, I think you can look at different ones and, and argue for why they could be the most important. Um, I think we've probably all seen the evidence that the amount of physical activity that an average kid is getting is is not where it should be. So that ability to, to push the students and, and recognize that phys ed is not going to be that 30-minute chunk that you get on Wednesday afternoon, and it's going to be us pushing ourselves to, to try new activity. Um, so personally, I have a real uh, interest in being physically active and kind of turning over whatever stone you can to try different physical activities. Um, but I think the social and emotional one is probably at this age uh, the one that really needs uh, some navigation. I think the kids are in a, a real transition zone with their development and I'm even seeing it now. I've got a, my own daughter's in grade seven uh, with the contemplation of wh whether she wants to apply to be an EcoQuest next year, which would be an added twist, but um, <laughs> the social-emotional roller coaster that, that some of these kids are going through and the pressures put on them and uh, being able to just navigate uh, their friendships and their activity and social media and a whole whack of things that I think we can try our best to, to steer and, and model and understand and, and respect kind of what they're going through and what they're trying to learn and what maybe we didn't have going on around us when we were their age. I think that's a tricky one, and I don't think I have all the answers to that one, but I think definitely that's the one where they the most important would be that one to me. In terms of not having the answers of it, it seems to me that you, you as a, as a staff take a lot of pride in terms of making sure the environment is, is safe and secure so that they can explore that side. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I think, uh, 
being able to day one let them know that uh, myself or Rebecca or Brittany we're not the expert and we want to say hey let's find wherever we can discover this answer and I think that really shines uh, comes out on this uh, the assignment they're doing right now the Healthy Communities Project um, for them to be able to dig around the community and, and pull out some resources or, or people they're, they're setting up uh, a couple of days of walking tours where they're contacting these adults. And it's kind of funny, the reaction on the other end of the phone, I think from the adults, when they realize that a teenager is setting up this uh, tour with them. Um, but yeah, I think for them to be able to uh, understand that we're going to give them sort of that extra uh, opportunity, we're going to kind of be there when they fall, but basically letting them find the answers where they need to. You mentioned right off the top that you had been waiting patiently to uh, get your foot into the EcoQuest door. Uh, where were you teaching before, and, and why did you want to do this so badly? Uh, so started at uh, probably when I was at uh, Caswell or John G. Egnatoff School, teaching grades 6, 7, and 8. Um, actually, I can even go back a little bit further than that. When I was interning, I was at... Uh, Silverwood High School here in the city. I lucked out and got to intern in the city. I think I kind of got my foot in the door that way. Uh, I grew up in Swift Current. I think you've got a connection there too. That's where I grew up as well. Yeah. What side of Swift Current? I grew up behind the mall. <laughs> You're behind the mall. Oh, <laughs> you were rich then growing up. I just grew up on the simple south side. So <laughs> <laughs> we, this whole podcast just took a turn. We're <laughs> too Swift Current. <laughs> Oh, gosh, that could be a whole 26-part series. Anyways, okay, so, <laughs> so so you're interning in Saskatoon. Yeah, and lucked into, uh, I was going to be teaching grades 6, 7, and 8, doing core French at the time. So it meant I would be just kind of bouncing from classroom to classroom, pushing a little cart around. It wasn't a, an ideal position for me in that you'd, I didn't feel that I got to know, I was going to get to know um, the same group of kids very well. I was just kind of whisking myself in and out the door. But there's a couple teachers there who are just fantastic in terms of getting kids to learn in a unique or an experiential way. One of them was Chris Clark, who then went on to found uh, the Let's Lead program. And uh, he was happened to be a grade 7 teacher there at the time, and they had decided that they were going to have this camp for grade 6, 7, and 8s to kick off the year. And they thought, hey, here's this young intern. He has an interest in the outdoors. Let's approach him and ask if maybe he could just stay at the camp for the whole week and a half and we'll bring the grade sixes for a couple of days, then the sevens for a couple of days and the eights for a couple of days. And he'll be the dude that's just there the whole time to kind of transition the next group in. I just was floored. I thought, this is awesome. I'm going to start my internship with a week and a half camp setting to get to know these students and kind of get my feet under me in a setting that I'm comfortable with. And uh, my supervising prof at the university was almost like putting her foot down on it saying like that that can't happen that's going to be seven classroom days that you won't be in the school and there was just this lack of understanding that that was the learning that was going to be beneficial to it and and so the staff at Silverwood really pushed to say nope that's what we want him to do he's going to do it and I think that really just set the tone that you can you can learn in wherever the setting might be. And it doesn't mean that you're not doing math and science and social, but you can do it in a unique way. So that was, oh gosh, that was 20 years ago. And then there was a lapse or a 
gap, I suppose, where I was doing some classroom teaching. And then um, I got to help set up uh, a program called Science Check that's out at Montgomery School. And they, I kind of got to do a little bit of the framework development for that and then didn't get the position to do it. And I was quite frustrated and taught for a couple more years. And then this EcoQuest job popped up. And luckily, um, I thought, well, there's going to be a line out the door of teachers wanting this. But it was just looking, I think, in retrospect, they're looking for someone who had that passion to do it. But also you had to kind of have your your T's crossed and your I's dotted with um, wilderness first aid certification and some canoe certification, some cycling experience, kind of a, a tool belt of things that not all the other teachers had. And I think the school board has been good to help support, not just me, but any of the outdoor teachers in getting some of the certification so that we could push ourselves outside of the school and, and safely do what we do. What is it about experiential learning that that makes it so beneficial for students? That That's something that a, a classroom setting just can't do. Oh, I think... I think one of the ones that you can really catch the spark from the students is when they have gone out, experienced something, realized something. We did a, a little uh, tree and shrub identification project or an assignment earlier in the year where they went out on, on the Mewasson Valley and, and identified, research, figure out some of the uses for a, a, a shrub or a tree. Um, and when they, and then they, yeah, culminated with a kind of a fun video project about it. But when they come back and they've got something to teach not only their class, but to also teach us, again, they kind of, uh, we are humbly letting them know that we're not the experts. And I, you know what, I'm not sure what that is, but let's find it out. And for them to be able to, to find an answer that they know that we already don't have written in our notes somewhere. I think that sometimes is the big part of experience education is, the answers are going to be found to questions that we don't even know what they are yet. So the, the students are going to sort of create these questions along the way, find an answer to it, and then we get to be there when they find that result. That That is so cool. I'm just remembering um, my first year teaching, I taught um, Law 30 to a grade 11 class, and kids were asking me questions, and I didn't know the answers to because it's like first-year teacher, and I felt this sense of panic but I, I'm just thinking that what a great viewpoint that is in terms of just being humble enough to say, I don't know the answers, but but teach me. Like, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I, and I probably wasn't that way. I'm sure when I began teaching, I probably felt that same way that, well, I'm supposed to know this. And if, if not, it's going to be looked upon as you didn't do your homework or you weren't ready for, for the role you're in. But I think, yeah, it's... I think we see that we're even just preparing these kids for jobs that you and I have never heard of. And it's, it's, it's different. I think the education that I grew up with at that time, we thought that that was, uh, was fantastic, I think. Um, but yeah, we're trying to come up with or uh, help students get to a spot where they can be successful at something that we maybe can't even envision what that might be. How do you know when you've had a really great day? Uh, For me, a great day involves uh, biking my way here to school. I I used to always, when I taught grade six, I was telling these guys that I used to always keep my bike kind of locked in this old shower room in the gym. So they didn't know whether I biked to school or not. And I would always pull the class or ask the class. 
and they could always tell if it was a day that I had biked to school or if I drove my car to school. And it was just kind of in my, on my face, in my actions. So yeah, getting a nice fresh bike ride to school in the morning, um, then having an opportunity to get out of the building and, and learn somewhere with the students, um, maybe have things go almost a little bit derail at times and having to kind of quickly think on our feet of how we can solve a problem together. Uh, and then sort of knowing that we've wrapped up the day with students feeling uh, both, I think, physically spent a little bit, but also knowing that uh, those students are going home with, um, hopefully, that message to their parents that, yeah, you know, today was, today was engaging. Today was, I felt listened to. Today was safe and today was fun. How long do you want to keep doing this for? <laughs> Uh, we kind of went through like two years ago, the school division was put in a real pinch with our budget. And so our staffing has changed a little bit. We went from two full-time teachers, which was the way that originally it was, uh, envisioned that the program would need to work to have ratios for doing any of our out trips and things like that. We were also given a budget from the school division to take care of, mostly to take care of travel for any of the camps that we would do outside of the city. And so when that got trimmed and the staff got trimmed, uh, it was just a real transition. We changed buildings a few years back, and sort of these curveballs kept getting thrown at me, and I thought, I don't know if this is this is just kind of like managing and controlling these changes that I that are out of my control. And I guess that's probably anybody in any position. So I think it was my wife who was like, take a look and draw up all of the, the positives of what you're doing. And I think this year I had a real recharge, and I feel like... I could keep going at this for a while, so I'm just kind of quietly uh, going about my job, uh, not asking uh, how much longer I can be here. Uh, there, yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely loving it right now. I guess I'm 43, so I mean, sleeping on the ground in January is getting a little bit less appealing, maybe. But no, no, no sign of going anywhere else. What's it going to be like if your daughter's here next year? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's funny because I. I see all these students. I would, I can't ever do this, but I'm always like looking at my daughter if she didn't clean up a room or something, and thinking like that, an ecoquester wouldn't do that, <laughs> <laughs> and I would never throw that over her. Um, but I think we see. Uh, I think students are really good at um, living in the moment, and so the students when they're at school and when they're with Rebecca and I, um, they could have a lot going on. They could be absolutely spent from life and their activities and, and stress and um, they come here and they're just ready to give her and put a smile on their face and so I think we see in our environment of this classroom we see these students typically like just at their best ready to go um, and I see my daughter all the time so I see the highs and the lows and she's a teenage person going through lots of changes right now so um, I think it could be done. There'd be, it'd be strange getting up and biking with her here in the morning. Um, but I think at the, uh, you take all the, that part aside, I think it would be just fantastic. And I look at the opportunities, not just, I never want this to sound like for, to be in to my class, but I think for her to be in this program, just the way that it's even set up before I got here, I just think would be such an opportunity for her that would set her up for, for future success in high school and whatever she does. And I, I think she would love it. And I think I could definitely work with her. 
thank you for your time and for inviting us today. Absolutely. I, we're, we're very excited. Aren't we, Janelle? We are. We're excited. Thank you, Tyler. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be fun. My thanks to Tyler Rittinger, the pride of the north side of Swift Current, for taking the time to speak with me. The one thing that still sticks in my mind from the interview is how, as a teacher, he doesn't feel the pressure to know everything for his students. That was something I really struggled with as a teacher. Like, I was always letting my students down if I couldn't come up with an immediate answer. So to teach in a way that encourages students to discover answers for themselves or with their peers, I think that's pretty special. Thanks again, Tyler, for the great conversation. This has been part one of episode eight of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson. In seven days, you will hear part two where I hit the road, the sidewalk, the Muwasan Trail, the Broadway Bridge, and everything else with this year's EcoQuest class. I am Atlee, and I was fortunate enough to be part of this grade eight opportunity called EcoQuest. It's uh, outdoor, like you go outside, you do fun things, you, your school is like more based on outdoor living and going, sorry, I'm saying outdoor a lot, um, stuff like that. And you go on camping trips and you learn a lot about the community and what you can do to help save it for the future of Saskatoon. This was so much fun and I can't wait for you to hear these kids talk about their experiences. So please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Leave a review, tell your friends to subscribe to make sure that you don't miss an episode. You can also find YXE Underground online at yxeunderground.com as well as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and the CBC Saskatoon website. YXE Underground is produced, edited, and hosted by yours truly. Music by my cousin Andrew Dixon. Photography by my friend Janelle Wallace. The CBC's Corrine Larson, one of the best people you will ever meet, is the consulting producer for the podcast. I would also like to thank CBC Saskatchewan's David Hutton for all his help and support, and the great folks at Saskatoon's Danger Dynamite for all the help with the website. We are making some exciting changes to the site, so go check it out and catch up on any episodes that you have missed. A big thank you to my wife, Jen, for letting me use her classroom. Thank you, Jen. There we go. And my dog, Fred, for just being the best dog ever. And a really big thank you to this year's EcoQuest class for welcoming Janelle and I with open arms. You guys are amazing. I would like to acknowledge that this interview and my voice were recorded on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. My name is Eric Anderson. YXE Underground is a production of the Salthammer Production Company. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you in seven days, Saskatoon.